0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin, I'm riding solo again today, and this is our special spooky season kind of Halloween special for you. Since it is the last episode before Halloween, we're talking about something that seems a little bit spooky. Um, We're talking about ghost gear and ghost fishing. And this is a Seafood Innovations episode where I'm actually sitting down with Helgi Olsen, who is the CEO and the founder of Rescue Unit, which is a reserve buoy that attaches to the side of fish and lobster and crab traps that would sit on the bottom and it helps you locate traps that have been lost or their lines have been cut and it just helps reduce ghost fishing, which we get really into kind of what ghost fishing is, what ghost gear is, the environmental and the economic impacts that ghost gear has, and then what Rescue Unit is doing to help combat that and help save fishermen a whole lot of money and improve the quality of the environment that they're fishing in a little bit. So it's a really cool conversation. It's a super cool technology. I love all these new fisheries technologies that we're talking about. It's fascinating and uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. But before we get into that, I want to remind everybody to please subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen. So every time we come out with a new episode like this, it'll automatically be downloaded onto your device. You don't have to do anything. It's there, ready to go. If you want to get in contact with us, you can email us directly, podcast at global seafood.org or you can fill out the contact form globalseafood.org/podcast or you can find us on Twitter we are at aquademia pod and remember to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen if you enjoy the show it really helps us out and we really appreciate everybody that's already done that so without further ado please enjoy this conversation i had with Helgi and i will talk to you at the end
1: welcome to the aquademia podcast
0: our diet So I'm sitting down today with Helgi Olsen, who is the CEO and founder of Rescue Unit. How's it going, Helgi? Thanks for joining me. Thanks for doing uh, Going great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Great. Yeah, this is a super cool topic. Helgi had some, some of his folks from Rescue Unit at Goal this year. We actually discussed a little bit about this in the Advocate article that Jamie wrote last year, last October talking all about ghost gear but RescueNet has a product that is addressing a ghost gear problem in the fisheries industry we're going to get all into what that means if you're not uh, familiar with too much that goes on in the fisheries industry we'll kind of talk about what ghost gear is and the environmental and economic impacts that it has because it is a very big impact and this product is addressing a problem but before we get into that helgi i want to talk about you what's your story who are you where do you come from how did you get into this who are our listeners listening to? Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. So, yeah, like you said, my name is, is Helge, Olsen and I'm from Norway. Uh, grew up in a small town. Come from a long line of fishermen. Uh, me myself, I couldn't uh, be a fisherman because I get easily seasick. So oh, I tried hmm. it, but I had to. I had to. Had to quit after some time. Uh, so I have uh, had a, a series of companies that I have uh, over the years founded and, and built up and eventually sold. So I have uh, a couple of, I have one bank, bankruptcy that I've also experienced that was my first company back in 2004. Uh, since then, I've done a couple of, of successful buildups and exits and uh, I was presented with this idea that uh, it was a, a simple backup buoy solution to lost fishing gear uh, that is now known as as the rescue unit. So, uh, I decided to, to just uh, have a look at it once I got presented the idea. Uh, and I knew nothing about ghost fishing or, or plastic pollution or anything. Uh, I was more, uh, my, my experience was uh, mostly around vehicles. So we had GPS monitoring system, systems for vehicles. Uh, and I also invented a, a dent and scratch uh, detector for vehicles uh, aimed at the, at the car rental industry. Mm. Uh, and I, and there is actually a patent. If you try to look me up on the patent registry, there's a patent for that sensor. Um, so when I got presented this uh, backup way, uh, I did my due diligence. I looked into to what this uh, potentially could be, and, and, and what the problems were that we we could solve with it. Uh, and I gotta say, I was uh, I was really surprised. Uh, ghost fishing is a, a enormous problem. I, mm. I, I was totally unaware. Uh, so. So I kind of looked into into this from a business perspective. Uh, I saw that there was a big shift in in the in the kind of awareness in in the population. Uh, there was potentially huge uh, help to be gained from from like political and regulatory help. Uh, so that was appealing to me, um, and uh, and also it's it's always uh, always good to run a company which has a positive in, impact. Hmm. Uh, business is not just about making money. It's about passion. It's about making an, an impact and a legacy. Uh, so uh, this this idea and this this company ticked off just a lot of boxes for me. So I decided to jump on it. That's awesome.
0: So let's talk about, you mentioned ghost fishing. With this being the spooky season for a lot of people, I wish that when we say ghost fishing, we were talking about something really cool. <laughs> like when you go out there and you see like a ghost ship that is fishing for ghost fishes. It is not cool. This ghost fishing is not something that is that we want to experience. Can you talk a little bit about what we mean when we talk about ghost fishing and ghost gear? Because I think a lot of people, when they think about this abandoned gear, um, they think uh, that there's just, oh, maybe there's some fishing line that's been floating around or, or sunk to the bottom of that. But it, this is really, really a big issue. Can you talk about some of the biggest problems with ghost gear, what it is, and how it's affecting everything?
1: Yeah. Uh, so it, it is kind of like a, a, new problem easy for a guy like me who is almost 50 years old to talk about new, but the problem I think came when, when the fishing industry started started using plastic. Uh, nylon as as fishing equipment before as opposed before to that,
0: what rope and wood and-
1: they, yeah they were used hemp and wood and and whatever type of material that that quickly or relatively quickly decomposed mm-hmm. uh, so so before when you lost fishing gear it was just a matter of time before it either corroded or, or, or dissolved naturally uh but uh, but once they started using plastic and nylon f- uh, for making fishing gear um, once you lose it, it takes up to five, 600 years for it to dissolve. Uh, so, so fishing gear are mainly, of course, designed to catch and kill fish and animals. Uh, uh, and, and the problem is when you lose it, that's exactly what it continues to do. Um, so, uh, so ghost fishing means that you have lost uh, fishing gear that continues to, to catch and kill fish. Uh, and the way that works is that uh, caught fish eventually starve to death. Um, and they become bait for a new genera- generation of, of species that come in. Uh, and, and they starve to death eventually. And, and this cycle just continues in perpetuity. Um, Until and, and it breaks there are down enough that someone can escape, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the amount of, of, uh, of valuable uh, catch or, or species, biomass, that are being caught in this cycle uh, is ever growing because the amount of fishing gear being lost, uh, I think it's around ten percent of all fishing gear is lost every year. Uh, so, so this keeps adding to the problem continuously, uh, and 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 of course uh, ki- kills more more uh, biomass every year.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're specifically focused on because go, I know ghost gear can include lost lines and nets and all kinds of different things, but you're specifically focused on. Traps like lobster traps, crab traps, fish traps, right? That are that are out sitting on the bottom with uh, you know, I'm just I'm just trying to paint a picture for all of our listeners. You know, these traps are sitting on the bottom, connected by ropes, or they and they got buoys up at the top, and then maybe something happens and that rope gets cut, that line gets cut, uh, so you no longer have access to that trap, right? And then it's just sitting on the bottom doing this ghost fishing, right?
1: Exactly, yeah, and 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 that's also the type of fishing gear that has the longest Mm-hmm. uh durability and, and keeps fishing and killing for the longest uh, because other type of equipment like rope and, and that seem to tangle up into just a, a solid lump uh, and and foul grows on it so so it can't catch us effectively after a certain amount of years. Uh, but yeah it started out for us with with traps and pots uh basically aimed for the for the recreational fishery here in Norway mm-hmm. uh, but we saw that this had a, of course a big international potential. Uh, so we designed the product that we have now. We are actually launching a new product uh, this uh, yeah in in just a matter of weeks now. We are we are shipping out some product to Canada. Uh, it, this is designed to mount on a install on a trap wall, uh, but we 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 of course know that ropes and nuts and, and everything also is a huge problem. So we are starting a next de- development next year for uh, for a more a uh, multi-purpose solution that is just easier to click on and off with the carabiner, uh, you can attach that to most any type of equipment at all, both inside and out, outside of the fishing industry.
0: That's fantastic. And we can talk a little bit more about that at the end. I want to focus on this the side-mounted trap buoys because that's kind of what's in circulation, what's being used right now. And uh, it has seen success. And I want to talk about how it all works and everything. You know, we do these seafood innovation episodes. We've done a few on some new technologies for fishing, and it's always so cool to learn how it works. And I really love that we're seeing some of this stuff being adopted by fishermen who are starting to see the benefit of a lot of these new technologies. So if anyone goes wants to see this in person, you can go to the website. It is rescueunit.com. It's R E S Q U N I T.com and you can see this in action, but Helgi I want to have you kind of take us through how it works, you know, what is it what does it look like, where is it located and how does it work? Uh,
1: so so just what what you said before, the way a trap becomes a ghost trap uh, is just like you said you have a trap on the bottom you have a, a vertical line up to the surface with a with a buoy where the fishermen of course can retrieve and and uh, get their their catch uh, so what normally happens that makes uh, makes a, a a cage a ghost cage uh, is either a boat propeller cutting off the rope uh, separating the buoy from the from the trap uh, you might set the trap too deep so that the, the rope you have isn't long enough and it it'll pull the buoy Uh, below the surface Uh, and also it can drift off to other locations where it's deeper and 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 that way also pull the buoy under Uh, so what we have is a is a backup buoy a kind of second chance to if you lose the primary buoy buoy, you have a secondary buoy uh, on the trap that will uh, that will deploy Uh, and like you said fishermen are very traditional type of, of people not too willing to to change uh, so what we focused on was to make a product as, as least invasive as possible for the fisherman's normal work in practice. Mm-hmm. We have electronics on there because we have a timer that will deploy this uh, this buoy after a certain amount of time. Uh, and it was important for me to develop something where the fisherman doesn't have to mm-hmm. reset and remember to push a button or something between every, every round. Right. Uh, so we made this unit um, self-aware. Uh, so it knows itself when it's in the water and when it's out of the water. And if you for example set your your backup buoy to three days, uh, then you know you're gonna you're gonna haul your traps every second day or every day, then you set your backup buoy to for example three days. Uh, so when when you when you haven't pulled the trap within the normal two days, uh, the counter go, goes down and counts down to zero uh, and that uh, deploys uh, the, the backup buoy. If you pull it up after two days, the counter resets, and next oh, time you cool. throw it in, it starts over again. That's super cool. Uh, so, as a fisherman, once you once you install this device, you you basically doesn't have to think about it anymore until you need it. Of course, uh, you do your regular fishing; you you don't even think about it. So that that was uh, important to me, and and I think uh, our customers appreciate it very much.
0: How do you attach it to the trap? Because the the one that's on your website, it, it almost looks like it's like integrated within the side of it like it's not like mounted on onto it like it looks like it's part of the trap how do, how is it attached
1: uh very easily you just uh cut a hole uh, in the mesh uh of course some some traps are metal some are wooden some are with just uh, just nylon mesh uh, you cut a hole uh, and then you just attach it with 10 uh 10 uh, what's it called uh, zip ties oh. uh, around a frame Sim- and then you just click the buoy in and voila you're ready to go fishing
0: very cool so it's sitting on the bottom and you've gone collected after two days. This trap is missing its buoy, did not get collected. That third day comes around and it automatically releases the buoy. The buoy pops off the side and it's got yeah. this little spool of line as it goes up to the top. And then you actually just describe the retrieval process because I watched the video and it's it's pretty yeah. cool. Can you, can you describe yeah, that? Cool. I'll let you do that instead <laughs> of me because it is, it is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, I've done it. There are two ways to do it. I, I've done both uh, many times. But if it's a, if it's a light trap, uh, this internal rope is strong enough that you can haul around 80 kilos. But of course, mind the extra forces from from any waves or, or anything. Uh, so small traps you can basically just retrieve directly up with the, by the buoy embedded line. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you have heavier gear, then uh, we recommend uh, just having a normal grapple. Uh, with a thicker rope that you use this the our, our line as a guide you attach it with a carabiner and the and the grapple goes down and you to the to the bottom and you can easily just uh, after a couple of, of, of jerks you got the trap uh, mounted and uh, or, or or attached and you can just uh, pull it up with your hauler. Pretty cool.
0: I mean, it's simple, right? Like like sometimes the best solution is the simplest one, right? My I had a simple few and affordable it. that has been our
1: focus all the time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Speaking of that, and we can talk about this more in depth later on. But how much does one of these cost?s Or do you buy them for uh, you know? Would you buy them like you know by the dozen or by the you know? I'm not sure how. Yeah,
1: how that uh, one device like this costs seventy dollars uh, around that. Uh, and many of the fishermen they fish in traps or or not they are fishing in uh, strings. So mm-hmm. They have like five, six, or even in Portugal they have hundred traps in a in a string. Yeah, uh, and in that case, you only need one, or you can have one device in each end of the of the of the string, or or whatever you want to. But uh, the cost per trap in that case will be very very small.
0: Right. Yeah. Comparatively. Right. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So. I did have a couple questions about this because I, I imagine, you know, looking at new technologies, it's always like, okay, so what, what is going to be the next step to, you know, improving this and making it even better? And in my mind, I'm trying to think of, okay, what are going to be some of the downfalls to this? Is this equipped with any kind of GPS tracking or anything like that? Where, like, because is would it be difficult to locate, or is it generally? Have you seen? when it's been used, people are able to locate it because it stays within the same general vicinity of their traps.
1: Most commercial fishermen, they have a plotter. So every time they set a trap, they plot that in their map. So they know mm-hmm. exactly where they set it. Uh, and, and in the case um, where where you where you lose it, uh, you know exactly where to look for it, and we have a bright yellow color. Color as you can see mm-hmm. on on the web uh, website, so it's easy detectable visually. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why we haven't embedded any GPS or notification system on there uh, is because of the size of this uh, of this buoy. Uh, anything that will add weight or, or anything mm-hmm. like that, you would have to have a battery and everything. So that would have to increase the size uh, to where we probably could couldn't fit it on most traps
0: right uh but i, I imagine so, so, you haven't because of the plotting and they know where their traps are and a trap is heavy enough to sit on the bottom it's not going to just be free floating around right so I, i'm guessing yeah. you haven't really had any issues of people like this buoy potentially being deployed but you're not able to find it
1: uh of course there, there will there will be occasions where you don't find it i, I know because uh, yeah. we have sig hansen in in our uh, in our company as well, and we we have learned a lot from him. Him, uh, and sometimes up where he fishes, uh, ice can come down and they can move the traps miles and miles away from where they where they originated. Hmm. Uh, and they're actually being dragged outside a big cliff, so they kind of disappears down in in uh, several hundred meters depth. Uh, and in in that case, it, it's just a, a lost case. No right, no yeah. device would ever be able to retrieve those. Right. Uh, so, of course, this is a, this is a solution that won't solve 100% of the problem, but if we can solve even 80, I would be super satisfied oh, yeah. with that.
0: Oh, for sure. And for anyone who doesn't know uh, who Sig Hansen is, he is a, a captain. A lot of people would know him from the show Deadliest Catch on the Discovery Channel. He's a crab, king crab fisherman? Yep. Yeah. Up in the Bering Sea, right? So, um, mm-hmm. you can look into him and le- learn all about him and his career, and he is, he is part of this As well. But I want to stay on this topic of ghost gear for a little bit because you have some really compelling data on your website. Can you talk about some of that? Like how much of how, you know, how many tons of ghost gear every year gets lost in the sea and the impact of that? How much? money is lost because of it you know some of this data is really really interesting can you just kind of get into a little bit of that to give people a context around the issue as a whole
1: yeah uh first of all a disclaimer is that nobody actually knows so all all of these numbers uh, that, that have been estimated uh because the, the ocean is so big and there's so much fishery going on uh, regulated and not regulated uh so so all the numbers will have to be underestimations actually uh, so, so what WWF found out is that between 500,000 and a million tons of fishing gear is lost at sea every year. Um, and there was a study I just, actually I, I found it today, it was a study, a study that was published yesterday uh, that showed that uh, estimated that 25 million uh, cages or so traps, pots like uh, the, the ones we are addressing, 25 million of those are, are lost at sea every year.
0: 25 million uh, individual
1: traps. Individual traps Jeez. every year so so uh it's it's a staggering amount uh, almost unbelievable yeah um wow. and um of course the, the consequences of lost traps are like we talked about uh ghost fishing uh, there are some estimates that 2.6 billion dollars worth of of biomass uh, so valuable commercial animals are are wasted to ghost fishing every year uh, i think that number is is a, a, a huge underestimation uh but but of course, we, we we have to go with what is uh, what is uh, estimated by scientists and whoever are researching these things. Uh, but maybe the most important or the highest costly consequence is around plastic pollution. Uh, as I as I told you, um, plastic takes up to five six hundred years to dissolve. Uh, and when it dissolves, it dissolves into microplastic particles that enters the food chain. Uh, and, and there was a big study, I think it was uh, a few years ago now, 2017, I think it was uh, estimating the, the, um, the, from, the, from the fishing industry, uh, the cost of, of plastic pollution to $1.8 trillion. Uh, that is kind of long-term cost for cleanups, for mm-hmm. medical problems, for or a uh, big societal cost uh, hurting the industry and everything so uh, this is a huge problem and and like I said it's just growing that's the that's the big problem and many people that are doing a fantastic job with cleanup operations volunteers fishermen outside of the fishing fishing season uh, going out with uh, on on rodeos with uh, with volunteers and with regulators and trying to find the hot spots and and try to get as much lost gear up as possible uh, but the sad truth is that we lose uh, way, way more than we clean up. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's just um, I kind of want to get to the place where we lose less than we clean up. Then we're on the right path. Right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, who knows how long it will take? Of, right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, but but I think we have a good solution. We're onto something good now with traps. Uh, we're expanding that next year, as I said, with with other type of fishing equipment. And I think it's going to be something like what we have. Uh, there will probably be competitors. There will be other products that that does similar things. Right. Uh, and we can't, of course, solve all this uh, as one company alone. We need to be uh, more players in this. I think with uh, yeah. with uh, competing and innovating and coming up with better solutions all the time.
0: Yeah, this is a situation uh, where competition is good. You know, you don't you don't want to squash yeah. the competition. You want to work with them to bring everyone up and just make it better for everything, right?
1: Exactly. I, I've Great. never occur, never experienced competition being a bad thing. Because that drives you to all the time to improve, to innovate, to be better, to have lower prices and then it's it's a good environment to be in, to have competition. And you also for more people to, to to bring the awareness to the market and the population and the regulators and everything. So yeah. yeah, we would we are alone right now. There are no competition, but we we definitely would welcome some competition.
0: Nice. So how has the reception been overall? Have you had to really push and do a lot of kind of hard work to get people to buy into this in the beginning? Or were they kind of, from the very beginning, kind of excited for this because, you know, well, we'll lose less traps now. Like, what what has the reception been since you launched? When did you
1: launch it? We launched the first version of the product in 2019. And we launched that only here in Norway against the recreational Uh, fishermen. And it was well-received here. But the recreational fishery in Norway is is, uh, quite special because you have you have a lot of wealthy people that have their, their cabins at the, at the, at the sea uh, and they have their boats and they like to go crab fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are people with money. These are people that uh, are generally just uh, just environmentally aware uh, and they want to contribute and they want to do things. Uh, so it got well received here. Um, but the product we are launching now is against the commercial fishery. So we haven't had that sales experience yet. Yeah, uh, but we have a big order from a distributor in Canada who ordered product for product for a million dollars from us that we are delivering oh, wow. now over the next couple of months, uh, and that'll that'll be kind of the big test. Um, but I don't think the, the the distributor would have placed such a big order if they didn't believe in it. Of course, right? Yeah. Um, and and uh, and in Canada there are some regulations in place that actually makes this a, a very uh, good investment for the fishermen. Uh, they have a tag system there where each fisherman can fish with up to, I think it's 300 traps. Uh, so they get 300 tags every year. And if they lose, let's say they lose 30 traps, then they are they are fishing for the rest of the season with 30 traps less than they could have. Uh, and they have to wait until next year to get new tags, and then they can buy the, the, the 30 they lost. Interesting, um, and with the revenue per trap of uh, of a thousand dollars, like it is in Canada, uh, for them to find the traps back that they lose is uh, is very profitable.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're and, and, if you're collecting every couple of days, thousand bucks a pot, that's <laughs> that's pretty. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty big loss if you if you lose one, you know.
1: Yeah, it is. So so there there are some regulatory things in place in Canada that makes that easier for us perhaps than other places yeah. uh but we have we have a lot a lot of exciting things going on in uh, in the dungeness crab fishery in california and, and on on the west coast uh we have uh, a big market in in the florida uh, over to louisiana blue crab stone crab fishery millions of traps in operation there so uh, i think we we uh, we have a good product and and, and the more they fish in, in strings like i told you the better they, the kind of ROI, the return of investment, will be for a single pot fishery, might be too expensive for some of the traps. Some of the trapper are expensive, and it'll be a good return of investment. But other traps are smaller, more, more, uh, cheaper. So, so in those cases, uh, I think we would depend on there being a string fishery in order for the kind of economic justification to be there.
0: Right, makes sense. So, do you have plans? And I'm going to ask this again later on what kind of the plan is for the future. But do you have plans to really? ramp up production and really try and and expand this all over the world? Or are you kind of targeting specific fisheries right now?
1: Uh, Long term, we want to go global, of course. Uh, There are some countries that are less accessible. Other business cultures where we, 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 of course, we have to learn some more about, uh, especially over in Asia and uh, maybe South America, in in Africa perhaps. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, the Western kind of civilization or the fisheries in the Western countries are... Pretty much the same type of, of, of markets, same type of business mentalities, uh, and, and the environmental awareness is, is strong. Uh, so uh, we, we just want to go wherever we, we see that we, uh, we uh, are accepted and where the regulatory climate is is rigged uh, in our favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that we see more and more, uh, even from, from poorer countries, even, even in Asia, like I said, and, and in South America. Uh, The the politicians there are really, uh, in some cases, further ahead than some of the Western uh, politicians in regulating and and trying to do something about the problem. Uh, So so I think we, like right now, we have activities in New Zealand, Australia, uh, in US, in Canada, Portugal, Spain, Italy, France, uh, Norway. Uh, So so we are pretty spread out already. But uh, the market is, is... right now too big for us to be able to tackle everything but we we grow as fast as we can and we uh, we do our best with what we have so um, very cool we have exciting times in front of us
0: (laughs) yeah no for sure and this is i i love this stuff and i always i feel bad i've been doing a lot of episodes solo lately because everyone has been so busy with goal and everything happening but one of my co-hosts Justin, he loves the innovation episodes he just gets so giddy about learning about all this new technology and how it works and stuff And uh, I want to make sure that we get a little more into how it works. If you, if you have this, you know, you talked about setting the kind of schedule, right? For the, how, how long it waits before it releases and how that automatically resets when it's out of the water. How do you program something like that? How does it, how does it work? First of all, I don't want to I don't want you to give away any trade secrets uh, on, you know, how you have designed it to know when it's in water or out of water and automatically reset and all that. But like if I'm a fisherman and I get this for my traps, am I able to go in there and actually choose how long I want it to wait before it releases? Or is that something that is set up beforehand when you order or how, how does that all work? I just I just don't. I, I don't know how it works.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I can tell you without uh, revealing any any secrets. Uh, you can do this with a with a simple app on your either iPhone or an Android telephone. Uh, there's an app. You set the timer to how many, however many minutes, hours, days, weeks you want, up to a year. I think the the longest is. Uh, and you just uh, you set that time on your on your app, and you hold the app uh, closer to five centimeters from from your device. Uh, and you'll get a green, nice checkbox saying you have programmed the unit. So you, oh, uh, we recommend when you buy them, you line them up and you, you set the, the timer for, for each one. It's done in, in seconds. Um, and oh. you can set it to like, uh, yeah, one day, two days, three days, one hour, two hours, three hours.
0: Whatever you want. I think on you. the video, it was like 15 seconds or something, right? <laughs> like, yeah, we recommend. have some
1: demonstration units that we've set with uh, a couple of minutes just to, yeah. just to be able to show what we have in, in a quick and effective way.
0: Yeah. And are they they one-time use or can they be used again? No, no, no.
1: You can, the battery, uh, so the lifetime of the product uh, is estimated around five years. Okay. Uh, and, uh, And the battery will actually allow for 140 releases. Oh, wow. uh, and if you lose your trap 140 times, you should probably find another occupation.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. No, for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I think it's I think it's enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Um. So, does it re-spool itself, or is it is it something that you have to manually? Do?
1: Uh, you, you manually do it, but but but, yeah. but it's a very easy operation. There's mm-hmm. uh, there are arrows on the backside. The whole backside of the product is actually the the spool that you rotate. Oh, uh, nice. so you so you just uh, you just uh, wind spin, it up. spin the backside, and then wind it up, and it's ready to go again.
0: Oh, right on, cool. Um, so what are some of the, the challenges that you're you're seeing with it right now that uh, that you want to kind of address in the future?
1: Uh, you've you've touched upon some of them, but I can I can go through them. Uh, high currents uh, is mm. of course a challenge. Uh, there are some places where we simply, with a small device like this, won't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. uh of course it's the thickness of the rope in most cases that drag the buoys under in and I'm talking about normal primary buoys uh, so we have a thin line it's one millimeter so so we can withstand some currents but the, but the highest currents uh we we, we cannot uh, so, so there's a specification on, on which uh, currents we can operate under uh and the other things is uh, like you said when when the traps are moved uh, greater distances. Uh, you can have a storm uh, that moves the traps uh, out of location, and uh, and in those cases, without having a GPS or a notification system, uh, you won't be able to find it. Perhaps so, some, maybe someone will see it and and, and retrieve it for you. Uh, but uh, that's why we have we have this next uh, evolution of the product in in the in the pipeline, uh, which will have a GPS and will have a GSM mm-hmm. or, or a mobile notification system on it. Uh, it'll be a bigger. Uh, bigger buoy because you don't have to fit it on a, on a wall. You can just uh, attach it with the carabiner and it'll stay kind of outside hanging up from the equipment. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, and a bigger buoy, as I said, and, and technology and there. You can have battery and GPS and GSM and everything you need in there. Uh, Very cool. So we're hoping to launch that sometime next year. Cool. Uh,
0: how long is the line that comes standard on it? Because obviously the they're going to be at all different depths
1: yeah the standard is uh, is 50 meters uh Mm -hmm. but you don't want to have more line than you need so let's let's take florida for example they have the blue crab and stone crab fishery down there they fish in 12 feet of water 15 feet of water Mm. uh, 20 max yeah
0: Uh,
1: and and you don't want to have a lot longer line than than what you're fishing because when the backup buoy then floats up you'll have a a uh, long spaghetti on the surface of of lime yeah. that can easily uh, or it'll, or it'll drift everything.
0: a lot further away than the than where the actual trap it, is, right? And you'll be in the it, wrong it, place exactly. pulling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting.
1: Uh, so, so we have fifty meters like a standard, but if we made a shipment to to Florida for a distributor there, uh, we would make that whole shipment like twenty meters or fifteen meters or whatever we come is uh, we find out is the best solution. Uh, you can have up to one hundred and fifty meters on on this device. Uh, the next device we are making so you can have up to 300 meters
0: right well that makes sense i'm guessing it'll be a, a thicker line too yeah yeah it will very cool i'm feeling good about this I mean, this is a really cool thing i mean I'm, I'm just starting to picture this boat that's out there with that has that implements all of these little technologies that we've talked about you know We've talked about some that deter seabirds, and some that you know put lights on your lines and all kinds of stuff. And I'm just like picturing this boat that's souped up that's going to be like super sustainable uh, with all these new technologies. It's just really cool to see this stuff coming out. What's coming? Pardon the pun. Down the line, yeah. <laughs> down the line is uh,
1: is data. Uh, data is down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the um, f- from a kind of business perspective and financial perspective uh the the data collection plans that we have in our business uh is is maybe the most exciting thing uh, even though the impact and and what we can we can accomplish with this retrieval system uh collecting data is is a, a an enormous potential for for a huge business uh, and our philosophy is that we want to use the fisherman's activity to to not only fish for fish but also fish for data Mm-hmm. Uh, so every time you pull your fishing gear, uh, you also deliver data. Uh, and um, and uh, this is quite unique. There are many measuring stations all over the world, mostly run by, by marine institutes, uh, governmental organizations, uh, that have measuring stations that take, for example, temperature and salinity and oxygen. Um, but they are th- these data are collected once a year, one, mon- once a month, very rarely. So you don't get a lot of fresh data. Uh, if we can do this through the fisherman's activity, uh, not only will you have data from the from the seafloor, which is unique, uh, other data is from the top surface, the the top columns, like thirty meters from the surface down. Uh, we will be able to provide uh, seafloor data. We'll be able to provide fresh data. So every time uh, fishing gear is pulled, every day, every other day you'll have new, fresh data. Um, and, uh, and, and this data can be used for climate research, for weather forecasters, for the oil and gas industry, uh, for offshore wind industry, for offshore fish farming industry. There's a lot of big industries that are uh, depending on data in how they do their operations. Uh, and also when it, when it comes to regulating the, the fishing activities, uh, that is also data-based. So, so regulators, they use data to regulate the, and give the quotas and everything to the fishermen. Uh, so so this data is and will be uh, even more in high demand in the future. Uh, and and we wouldn't be the... We, we kind of joke, uh, jokingly said that we want to be the Google underwater. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, this is a, a future big dream of ours, but uh, I think we're on to something quite unique with, uh, with using... Traps and nets as as uh, vessels for collecting data. Uh, I think this is is so exciting the idea of this, and I'm looking so much forward to to starting more testing. We have we have an early prototype. We've done some initial testing. Uh, we're doing more in 2023, and we are really hoping that we will have even a product ready uh, by late 2023, early 2024, uh, collecting data from the seafloor.
0: What do you think that product will look like? Will it be like? Is it gonna uh, for, uh, how much of that is going to be required as like extra work for the fishermen for supplying
1: this? none data? whatsoever
0: None. Uh, Great.
1: I, I, I i'm kind of picturing like a like a computer mouse in in size and shape yeah. uh, that you can attach to to anything doesn't have to be even in our backup buoy part of that it could be a standalone unit that you can attach to uh, seismic equipment to to fish nets to to cages to boats to anything right. uh, and and every time it comes to the surface surface it, it'll look for a Bluetooth device that could be a phone on the right app install it can be a, a standalone device on a boat uh, so the the closest possible device that is rigged to receive this data can receive it and then once you're on on a, a Wi-fi or, or a, three, a 5g network it'll transport the it data up to the to the cloud yeah Wow, super cool.
0: That's fascinating. And you're hoping to have a product ready for that by late 2023,
1: you said? Yeah, I'm really hoping we can do that because I think there's a, going to be a lot of companies that is going to be be uh, all over this. Uh, yeah, data this, is definitely uh, pro-
0: <laughs> data is in, in yeah. high demand uh for sure. Oh there. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh what what can you tell us about the next product, the other one that you mentioned earlier for other types of fishing gear?
1: Like I said, you you attach it with a carabiner. It's it's so easy to just. We have prototypes. and we, we we have we have displayed this. We had it actually on a on a boat show up in Canada in uh, uh, February, March, March, I think it was uh, this year. Uh, and and it's it's cylinder shaped and it's modular. So you have uh, you have the buoy on top with the with the GPS in the inside the lid on top there uh and um and you have the timer on the release mechanism in the middle and you have the spool of rope in the bottom uh, but in this product as well we're looking to to create this data sensor module that you can put Within into this so you can stack well. these modules on top of each other uh, and have different uh, different uh, yeah so so we can have this sensor module also installed on the same unit.
0: could that unit be used um, on other types of gear like like nets, or even, yeah, even
1: containers. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we've we been contacted by, by shipping companies that sometimes loses container in the oceans. Oh, geez. Uh, and they've asked us if they can use this device on containers e- uh, also. Oh, my God. How do you pull sure out a can, shipping but- container? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the um, gravel will s- work for that. <laughs> no, 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 no. They actually <laughs> sink pretty slowly, I, I've heard. They, you, you, oh. they lose them and they kind of can, can float even for a couple of days before they start slowly sinking.
0: Yes. so you have some
1: time there to 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 uh, of course the boat that loses them they can't stop because these are gigantic boats that needs yeah. to to continue but they can uh, they have time to to call some some uh, smaller boat to come behind and pick it up I'm gonna need uh, but, to get on YouTube see if, you see if I can even... find
0: any videos of that
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I don't know crazy. if you'll be able to solve that problem but but uh, but uh, you have a lot of seismic equipment for example that we've been contacted by uh, and asked if we can we can uh, provide something to that industry, uh, which we probably can. Uh, and then you have long lines. So we can you can uh, attach this to the anchor point also mm-hmm. on nets, uh, and also on bigger traps. Uh, also be able to use this instead of the primary product that we have now. If you want to, if it's a big trap, it's, if it's uh, specifically the, the stackable traps. Mm. Uh, would be ideal for this uh, next type of, of uh, rescue unit that we have in the pipeline. That's amazing.
0: So if we have any listeners who are involved in fisheries or fishermen themselves or work with, with fishermen that they think would benefit from this, what is the best way for them to get it? Just go to your website or uh, uh, contact you directly? Us, <laughs> uh,
1: contact us uh, through the website or through a, one of our social media channels. Uh, we, we are on, uh, I think, all platforms. Uh, we have a pretty unique name, so it's easy to find us. Uh, but we are looking for distribution in, in, uh, in the U.S. We have distribution in, in Australia and Canada now so far. We have something uh, exciting going on in Europe. Uh, but we are looking for one or more distributors in, in the U.S. To, uh, to take this to the U.S. market. Uh, so if, if there's somebody, somebody listening that knows somebody or, or who is a good uh, candidate for that, uh, are welcome to reach out. Yeah, uh, sure. But fishermen, yeah, uh, reach out to us, uh, order directly from us. We will make something uh, something happen. Uh, no doubt right. about and, that.
0: And if you do that, make sure that you let them know that you heard it here on Aquademia. If you want to <laughs> contact us as well, podcast at globalseafood.org, we can connect you with the folks over at Rescue yeah. Unit as well to make sure that you get what you need. What if people wanted to speak with you directly, if they wanted to get in contact with you for whatever reason, how, how what's the best way to do that?
1: Drop me an email on, uh, on uh, H-E-L-G-E, Helgi, at rescueunit.com. Uh, it's an easy way. Um, I think my contact is on the website. I'm not 100% sure. But if not, there is a post at rescueunit.com that will also eventually come to me. So uh, there's uh, there's that.
0: Great. Are you guys on any
1: social media? We are on on all of them, I think. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram. Yeah, maybe right. I'm forgetting well, some, but...
0: I'm sure there's, there's you know, they're everywhere. There's so many different ones, but we'll make <laughs> yeah. sure to, to link to a few of those uh, social accounts as well in our show notes, as well as the website and uh, we'll have Hilgi's email address. So before we wrap up is there anything else that you want to talk about? You got the platform, you got the microphone let's get it out there. What do you want to talk about? I feel we have talked
1: too little about Sig Hansen. He is, uh, he is uh, our superstar, one of the biggest shareholders.
0: Yeah, we should have had him come uh, he, on the show with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, right now he's. Uh, I talked to him this morning. He's in Alaska right now filming and fishing uh, So, so he's kind of busy with that. Uh, but uh, to us, uh, because Sig, uh, Sig Hansen, he is—I uh, don't know if you know this—but both his parents or parents are Norwegian, uh, mm. so he is uh, has his an- ancestry in, in Norway, uh, and that's one of the reasons why we were able to to find him and to get in contact with it, with him. Uh, and he quickly fell for the for us the team, the product, and and the potential impact. Uh, He has matured a lot. He knows the damage he's done in his career, and he wants to help uh, fix some of that. Uh, So he embraced us, uh, the product, wanted to to, uh, promote it and talk about it and invest in it. Um, And uh, he was actually uh, one of the reasons why, and and I haven't talked about this either, we we listed the company on on NASDAQ in Stockholm in Sweden uh, about a year ago now. Uh, And this was... uh, Partly because Sig Hansen, you know, he has this—he uh, has his name and his brand and his uh, notoriety to protect. So he wanted the company to be as transparent as possible, and there's no better way to be transparent than on uh, on a, on a public uh, listing. Uh, so we did that, but also that we we see that uh, we we will get a lot of help uh, regulatory in, in in the future with our product. Uh, so so therefore to to make it so that everyone can take part in in the ownership of the, com- the company and and. Uh, and uh, the, the business to be built in the future, uh, we, we made it so that everyone can participate and, and, and buy into the, the company. And uh, I think it's accessible even from the U.S. Uh, if you have uh, like a Charles Schwab account, you can find the ticker RESQ and, uh, and buy into the
0: company. Very cool. It's really cool that you are connected with him because, you know, that fishery, because of the TV show, that fishery is so, I don't want to use the word like exposed, but it's so well known, right? And people, yeah. people uh, get have a better understanding of how this fishery works than they do most fisheries around the world, just from watching that show. And uh, have you had any other folks in that specific fishery that are utilizing your product to the extent that that sig is uh no like i said we we have
1: uh only had the, the product on the market for the recreational fishery uh an mm. early version of the product so we, we are launching right now but sig used the product in uh in uh not deadliest catch, but there is a new show i don't know if you've seen it it's a spin-off a series called the viking returns
0: oh no uh, i haven't seen that
1: no uh, yeah it's it's about sig hansen and his uh fishing activities in norway actually so he was here oh. last year and uh, and early this year filming. Uh, and, and there he is using our party. You can see on the traps that he has, he has this uh, yellow backup buoy, so uh, he's using it there. Uh, That's pretty And cool. uh, for us, that is that is good uh, promotion. Uh, gets people talking, and uh, yeah, I think it's a good platform. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Well, Helgi, I really want to thank you for reaching out to us. Can I I know Steve connected you with me and, um, you know, this has been a super cool conversation. I'm really excited about all these innovative technologies, like I said, and uh, I just, I'm grateful that you were able to sit down with us for an hour and talk about it.
1: Yeah, I think it was great fun. And, uh, and I want to thank you for, for having me on and, Congratulate you because you have the first podcast in the world to have me as a host. So, congratulations for that. (laughs) I'm
0: I'm honored. I'm honored. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) So, like I said before, we'll have all of Helgi's and rescue units information, websites, social media, all that stuff listed in the show notes, so you can get to it right away. But again, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. folks, that was my conversation with Helgi Olson from rescue Unit. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I hope you're as excited as I am about these new technologies. I just think it's so cool. Some of the ideas that these people are coming up with to help address these major problems that we're seeing within the industry. It's just really neat. If you enjoyed this and you want more content like this, please remember to subscribe to Academia wherever you listen. That way every time a new episode comes out, you'll get it automatically downloaded onto your phone so you can listen to it whenever you want. If you want to get in contact with us, email us at podcast at globalseafood.org or fill out the contact form at globalseafood.org slash podcast. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter, we are at aquademiapod. If you haven't done it yet, please take a couple minutes and leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. Those reviews really help us out, and we really appreciate everybody that's done that already. And last lastly, if you really enjoy what we're doing here, you like our mission and you want to be a part of it, you might want to consider becoming a member of the Global Seafood Alliance. The link to learn more or sign up for membership is in the show notes. Make sure you check that out and spread the word. With that, thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time.